Good afternoon. Uh, I'm, I have the privilege of ending this sermon series. Uh, it's a pretty long one. And if you will agree with me, I think it has been tremendously uh, beneficial. I never uh, appreciated uh, the book of the Epistle of Ephesians like the way I do now after this series. Truly, uh, I appreciate it a lot more. Uh, ending the series is not easy because I think it is good to have a very quick review of the chapters preceding, which I intend to do, right? Um, I want to tell you that uh, uh, my difficulty with this, today's topic, chapter 6, 10 to 24, is that there are too many things there. If you know what I mean, well... Let me tell you, we talk about being strong in the Lord, about being, uh, uh, putting on the armor of God. Uh, we talk about the schemes of the devil. We talk about s- struggle. Uh, and then there are four types of powers, uh, the principalities and the authorities and the powers of darkness and the heavenly realms. And then the full armor of God, how many pieces? There's so many pieces. And after that, we got to talk about the the sword, and then we talk about prayer. I was totally overwhelmed. Uh, And fortunately, I got encouragement from Joanne. Joanne just preached this message yesterday, and she was overwhelmed too. Yeah, so it's not only me. What I'm going to do today is this. Uh, To do this sermon, I will take two hours, but of course, we don't have two hours. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to chop everything that I taught uh, nine years ago. Actually, nine years ago, nine years ago, I preached this sermon. So if you want to uh, know what the armor of God is, go to the PPH website, go nine years back, and search for the, the same passage. Okay? So I'm, I don't want to preach the same stuff. I want to talk about things that I feel... Uh, God wants me to address in this time for PPH now. There are two things. The two things are this, that we, the church, we, are, we take too serious a stand against people and we, the church, we have too casual an attitude towards Satan. So just two things. We do not fight flesh and blood. I'm going to talk about the first part there. We take too serious a stand against people. And then we are going to, I'm going to end with prayer. All right? So let's uh, do a quick review of uh, this sermon. Have you ever wondered uh, why pastor's fantastic message last week on family, why is it preached at the very end in chapter 5. It is a very important topic. Why is a significant topic like spiritual warfare, I consider it very significant, very important, why is it mentioned right at the end in chapter 6? Have you ever wondered that? Well, it is because, oh, by the way, do you know that in the first three chapters of Ephesians, there is not a single command. They are just broad propositions on uh, on the character and the qualities and the achievements and the works of Christ. Three chapters, not a single command. And then in chapter 4, 5, 6, there are 65 commands. 
So, can you guess why? It is because of this. I would suggest to you. We cannot do chapter 4, 5, 6, unity, love, and uh, uh, fight the enemy, and all that. We cannot do 4, 5, 6 until we have laid the foundation in 1, 2, 3. You've got to have a grasp of who you are, what you have, and then you can live it out in 4, 5, 6. So, what is 1, 2, 3? Chapter 1, 2, 3. Well, just in these few verses, 11 verses, it states that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, that He chose us in Him, we are predestined to be adopted through Christ, and grace was freely bestowed upon us in Christ, and in Him we have redemption through His blood, and we know and we've been given the revelation, the understanding of His will, that is purpose in Christ, and we are sealed in the Holy Spirit because we belong to Him. And all these verses, 11th chapter, is actually one sentence without a break. It's like He's throwing everything else. You've got to take time to digest this. This is our wealth, our richness. This is what we have in Christ. So, to summarize, our riches in Christ is this. Our election, our acceptance, our adoption, our redemption, God's wisdom and revelation, His power, His strength, all these is given to us in Christ. And it's very, very significant because if you understand chapter 1, 2, 3, you will know that who Christ is, we are. What He has, we have. What He has accomplished, we enjoy. Christ's victory is also our triumph. This is so significant. In fact, it is so much to grasp Paul did not pray to God that they will receive these things. No, you have these things. God, pray for the Ephesians. God, please open their eyes that they will just understand and, and see things from their perspective. They have. Now they must see. Then they can enjoy and live it up. That was Paul's prayer. Now, let me tell you why the topic of spiritual warfare is so important. You know, uh, we are called as a church to manifest the wisdom of God to the principalities and power. Let me say that again. Uh, we, the church, we have this calling, the high calling of manifesting this the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly realms. Christ is the Lord of all. You know, and He's beyond the reach of Satan. There is no need for Christ to prove that He's powerful and He's victorious. No need. The devil knows it. Everybody in the heavenly realms, they know it. The battle is between man and the devil. The battle is over creation. 
we are part of God's creation. The battle is over creation. So this spiritual warfare is unavoidable and it means that we, we cannot be on neutral ground. It's impossible. You know, and, and uh, I, I know some people say, that, well, well I, I'm so old and I, I, really, I don't want to engage in this kind of thing. But you have no choice. The devil does not pay attention to age or give consideration to age. Christians are soldiers, followers of Christ, are fighters. Uh, we don't have a choice. There's no neutral ground. It's a package deal uh, because God, Satan hates God. Satan hates us. We are engaged in the battle. Nobody can dodge conscription. We cannot... Uh, Satan will not be kinder to you just because you are older um, and, uh, uh, you know, ju just because you are young. We have to fight a good fight. We have to fight a good fight because the only force that is contesting Satan's rule is the church of the living God. The only force that is contesting Satan is the church. So, if we don't restrain the devil, then civilization will disintegrate and decay. Because we're not going to do that. We have a mandate we are going to hinder Satan and God's ultimate purpose is that it's going to be achieved through us and we are going to do such a great job in Christ, because of Christ, because of, we, of what we have. God is able to be glorified in us. Look at this verse. The intent of God is this. The intent of God is that now the wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This is God's eternal purpose which He has already accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And of course, we have bonus of access and confidence through faith in Him because we are already part of this family. It's already achieved. What he has gained, achieved, accomplished is us to enjoy. We are going to do it. He's not going to fight Jesus, but Satan will fight us. And the church is going to accomplish everything and achieve everything that Christ did when he was on earth. Right? So this is why uh, uh, spiritual warfare is important. I will now give you uh, very quickly a few uh, keys to um, spiritual warfare as it's stated right from the beginning, uh, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Two verses, but there are three keys. First, know your position in God. Be strong in the Lord. Know your power in Christ. Be strong in the power of His might. And know your provisions. Take up the full armour of God. 
Now, if you want to unpack this, uh, you will need to you need two sermons to unpack everything. I'm going to just fly, and uh, you you're gonna catch this right. Just uh, follow me uh, as closely as possible. Strength is not an issue. Okay, be strong in the Lord is uh, by the way a command. Uh, grammatically in Greek, it is uh, we call it a present. In- imperatively, uh, a present imperative sense. Be strong. You must. This is a command. Satan, true, Satan knows a lot, but Satan doesn't know everything. He's smart, but he's not smarter than God. He is powerful, but not as nearly as powerful as God. Alone, we are no match for Satan, but we are not alone. So this is be strong in the Lord. I'll, I'll give you this story from uh, uh, Luke chapter 10 and, and this, this will illustrate what uh, Jesus wants us to know. You know, uh, there was a passage in Luke 10 where Jesus sent out the 70 and they went out uh, to do ministry two by two. So there were 35 teams, teams and then they came back reporting to Jesus. So I read from verse 17. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And then Jesus also rejoiced. And he said to them, I watch Satan fall from heaven like the flash of lightning. He has lost his, indeed, he has lost his place. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. So, it's a very bold statement to just affirm, yes. And then the next verse, verse 20, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. What? Do not rejoice that you have accomplished all this and have victory over Satan, like what, you just, what just happened. Do not rejoice at this, that the Spirit submit to you. Because it's something that should happen. It's not a one-time thing. It's not, it's not something that... Uh, it's not just one successful ministry that day. It's, it is an everyday thing. Don't, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So what Jesus is tell, uh, told the disciples is this. Don't rejoice over this earthly success because it's going to be an everyday thing, a common thing. It should be common. Rejoice that you have a relationship to the Father and with this relationship, you will have, you can tap on this power. You will always be able to live supernaturally. That, I think, is the, a statement of the secret to victory in spiritual warfare that you are related to the Father and all these things. It's nothing. Of course we can do it. That was what Jesus was saying. Be strong in the power of His might. Jesus said that I, we are more, well, it was Paul who said, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Romans 8, 37. Everything is derive authority, delegated authority. What He can do, we can. What He has, we have. Everything from Him. And therefore, in Christ, 
far he he this is Christ in Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named this is, this you can find in Ephesians 1 uh, verse 22 not only in this age but also in the age to come God has put all things in subjection to Christ's feet and he gave Christ as head over all things to the church. Christ is given to the church, which is His body. Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. Now, I want to talk about the enemy now. In this verse, uh, verse 12, so we just did uh, verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle for our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. The word wrestle is from uh, the, the idea wrestling, literally wrestling, where the, the, the game or, or the sport is to cause an opponent to lose his footing and then to slip and fall. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, and powers, and all that. I'm, I'm going to explain to you. You know, I always wonder why, why it has to be said in such a law-saw way. You know, like, uh, we do not struggle against flesh and blood. Okay, like, we don't struggle against human, but we struggle against the devil. It's very, very simple, very easy to understand. We don't struggle against people, we struggle against the devil. But no, Paul had to put it this way. We do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realm. Very, th th there must be something there. And so, I checked uh, a, a few uh, commentary and I, I didn't find anything useful. And then finally, there was one. There was a commentary that gave an explanation of all these Four powers, which I'm going to show you now, which is here. You see, our struggle is not good, but against the achast and the stauchias and the cosmos kratos and the pneumathe ponderias. Ponderias. <laughs> this is a transliteration. Huh? And um, what the, the, the commentary said is this. Achrast, Achrast, sorry, Achrast uh, carries the sense of preeminence. Uh, that means we are here first, preeminence. So uh, Achrast will operate uh, through intimidation. Uh, it will be exhibited with an explosion of emotion and people who want to dominate my force. Oh, it, it, it can be a teacher, it can be your parent, or coach, your manager, or family members who control people by fear. Uh, and when we are, uh, we are dealing with people, yes, it's true, we are dealing with people, but Paul says that we do not fight flesh and blood. We are dealing with people, but all these evil that is coming through is not flesh and blood. They are flesh and blood, but they are also Satan's instrument. And if we can discern that there is some spirit behind this, we won't fight them by counselling, 
and then persuasion, and then we, you know, by, by human means, we, we don't do that. Alright, the next one is extortious. Uh, uh, this is the word for an authority figure because he has position and appointment and they think that they have the right to speak. So people around them, they are the minority groups, they are the foreigners, they are the, uh, the women, the family, people who are powerless. They, they, feel, that, they feel very suppressed. They, they feel that they don't have the right to speak. They don't have the, the right to be seen. So they are silenced. They are excluded. And, and, and people who uh, come under their influence dare not speak. Right? This is the, the second type of power. The third one is uh, uh, cosmos kratos. People who operate under the influence of this force will use people to get things. So, uh, they, they will use rela- relationship for financial gain. Uh, where Cosmocratos uh, is operating, there will be prostitution rings, there could be a pornography, a drug trade, a gambling a, a racket, a exploitation of all sorts. Right? Cosmocratos. And then the last one is the, the Numa uh, Thea uh, Ponerias. Spirit of malice. What's malice? Malice is premeditated harm or a desire to injure. So people who have this spirit, the Numa Thea uh, Ponerias, they operate under, uh, th- th- there will be terrorism, there will be mass killing, ethnic cleansing, forced abortion, intense persecution. Um, this is just a few examples. So you see, although we are dealing with people, it's not really just flesh and blood. So if you want to counter, counter drug addiction and, and a bondage, it, you, usually human methods uh, uh, just, just won't work because there is a spirit behind it. We do not deal with flesh and blood. So I, I want to tell you uh, why I'm trying to explain all this in, in such great detail. Explain this because I think the Lord is telling us, I, I think He certainly spoke to me first, that I'm paying too much attention to people I disagree with. You know, um, I, I will start with this. Uh, actually, in the past few months, uh, uh, actually, in the past few weeks, one case is a few months, but uh, two other cases in the past few weeks. Uh, three friends disclosed to me and shared with me that they have problems at home. Now, this is very unusual because things that are very personal is not usually shared so openly, but they shared with me. Uh, one uh, met me for lunch. Uh, uh, another was texting me. And the third, because I'm, I'm closer with, I, I know more. They told me problems at home. I said, what problems? They said that uh, they, the siblings are quarreling and the family is divided. I was very surprised. Really, I've been friends with these people for about 30 years. I know them. We were classmates. They are educated people. Their siblings are educated people, professionals. Their parents were professionals, uh, now retired. They come from good family. Is it, are they fighting over money? No, not over money. They fought over the care of their parents. This is 
very strange. In other words, there is a lot of there was a lot of disagreement in the family concerning how their parents should be looked after and treated. I find it so strange. And I know this, I know these friends, they are not the strange kind of character, the quarrelsome, proud uh, type of people. They are not. And their siblings have the same temperament, more or less. So when I suggested with, uh, to this friend who met me for lunch that, do you think that there is a possibility, because I was doing my uh, spiritual warfare message, that, that there is a spiritual dimension to this, to this problem? I said, well, mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, then she just went on the top because her mind was so full of her family problems that she just wanted me for advice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I text the other friend who didn't meet me, please pay attention to this. We are not fighting flesh and blood. Pray about this. Do not consider your sibling as an enemy. And then silence. Then I text her some more. Silence. I find out that, okay, okay, you just give me your notes when you're finished with preaching. You know, it's just like, ah, okay, okay, okay. You know, and they don't see it because I just feel that the devil has blinded them to this hidden dimension and to them now, their siblings are immature, they are selfish, idiotic, stupid. Uh, uh, they are just the worst children. Uh, uh, they are not worthy uh, to be called my siblings. I, they, they're, just, they're just thinking like that now. So the families, the families are divided. Things are pretty bad. Really, it's pretty bad. Uh, I, I want to say that, really, I believe that quarrels, quarrels of any thought, quarrels between spouse, even among yourselves as church friends, uh, with your parents, they could be symptoms and there could be many things behind what the arch enemy wants to do in our midst. I'm not saying that we should deny personal uh, responsibility in case you are objecting that, hey, you know, you do not know my sibling, you do not know my, uh, my bosses. Uh, yes, people do make bad choices and bad choices come with very serious consequences. I know that. I know that. I know that we should not be blaming the devil for all difficulties and hostilities in life. I know that. I know that we live in a broken world and a fallen world and bad things do happen. I know that. But not, although it is true that not everything that occurs is the devil's schemes, but everything can be exploited by Satan for his agenda. In other words, behind a lot of things, many things that we see just on the surface, there is an enemy whose objective is to destroy, diminish, steal, rob, divide. Yeah. So I think that was what happens. So what do we do? You know, um, Mark Bubeck, uh, an author of two, some very, very good uh, uh, spiritual warfare books, including The Adversary. Mark Bubeck said that many years ago when he was in ministry, he was a pastor 
And there was a member of the church, a female member of the church, who was very difficult to work with. In fact, he, he, she had a sharp tongue, a very quick temper. She was uh, even, uh, you can say she was overbearing. She offended many people. So the deacons met him and said, let's kick her out. Uh, in other words, just, just as communicate. They, they were ready to vote to kick her out. So uh, Pastor Bubak then prayed over this matter and the Lord spoke to him. 2 Timothy 2.25, those who opposed him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant him repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the evil one who has taken them captives to do his will. 2 Timothy 2.25. And so Pastor Bubak said that, uh, you know, he just sensed the Lord uh, uh, speaking to him. I gave you this member to be loved and nurtured, to be trained, to be fed, to be let, not to be kicked out. So, she kept the member. Our, you know, uh, our relationship with one another is so important to God because He came to achieve this for us. He is the Prince of Peace who reconciled us to the Father. We are reconciled to God. And He came to reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles. And He came to reconcile people in the body. Reconciliation happened at so many levels. And therefore, this, this He said in uh, Ephesians, He said that, keep the unity Keep the unity of the faith in the Spirit. Keep the unity. This is the unity achieved by the, by the Spirit. Keep it. Don't lose it. Okay. So this is what we should now uh, do. From now on, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 19, from now on, I, we do not regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creature has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So now, this is spiritual warfare. We do not wage a battle with flesh and blood. This is the first thing you must understand. People are not our enemy. They can be horrible people. People are not our enemy. We have a common enemy. Satan is our enemy. We wage the war against Satan. We do not attack people, kick people out, throw them out, and destroy people. Destroy the enemy. That's the first lesson. And uh, uh, it is also said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, that we, uh, thanks be to God who leads us as captives in Christ, 
triumphant possession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I'll tell you now uh, uh, my personal uh, take on this. I have a weakness. And only one person knows this in this hall. My colleague who is seated there. My sister is my colleague and my sister is here to listen to this sermon. So she will know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, what happened is this. I am very, very irritated by certain people and she knows who. And these people are very irritating because they are very, very inconsiderate. They will call me at inappropriate time. I tell you, one person will call me when he feels like taking a break from work. So like, ah, let's speak to Edwin. And then he will call me and he, hi Edwin, I, talk to me, talk to me. Hi, I just really need to. Then, then he will go on and on and on and on. It can be 35 minutes or 40 minutes because he needs a break. So we will talk about holidays, plants, furniture, mostly about people, uh, fashion, movies, holidays. And, okay, I better get back to work. And then I, I, get, I really resent this, you know, because I'm busy and I feel very irritated, very impatient. And I, there must be an outlet, right? So the outlet would be that I just go to my secretaries and all the staff, then I will complain, and everybody have a good laugh. Oh, your good friend call you. Or sometimes when there's a call, your good friend call you, and then your good friend uh, left a message for you to return the call. So I would just, you know, there's a lot of resentment, and it will come out like that. Uh, sometimes I'm rude, uh, but most times I'm just impatient and very irritated inside. And there are several people like that in my life. Uh, I, you know, sometimes uh, in my mind, or sometimes I blurt out, really, idiot. Yeah, stupid. That, that, that kind of words, right? That, uh, really, um, and I will say something very awful. And so I, when I share with my colleagues, and they are very understanding, say, Edwin, you are only human, it's only normal. You are very good already. Yeah, you are already quite patient already. You know, when I brought this uh, before the Lord uh, about uh, you know, all these negative thoughts and that, that they're swimming in my mind uh, whenever I have one such conversation, the Lord says that uh, normal is not acceptable to Him. You know, I feel very convicted. You know? you know, this is what the Lord told me. Every day, uh, you have an opportunity to walk with Jesus in the light and you have allowed Satan's darkness to make you harder and make you prouder. And so, when, when Paul said this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, and with this in mind, be alert. I have not been alert. I'm alert during prayer meetings or when I go capping, when I have... Uh, when I need to prepare a sermon, <laughs> I will pray very intensively. But most times, in the average day, I, I'm not. So, there are, I just realized there are tons of arrows coming and I'm just letting the, the thoughts swim in my mind and I just respond and react. 
And so this, this is what the Lord told me. Every day I give you an opportunity to walk with me in the light. You allow Satan's darkness to make you harder and prouder. Did not the Lord say this? Matthew 5, 4, 44. Love your enemy, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spike you and persecute you. Did not, the, uh, uh, did not Paul write in uh, Romans 12, 21, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this is what I resolved to do. I recognize now that this is, well, it's, it's a bit about my weakness, right? Impatience is a weakness. It's, it's due to pride. But Satan took full advantage of it. And so then I, it, it, it grieves the Spirit, you see? Because the Spirit has an agenda. Spirit wants to do something through me, in me, and I just let Satan just do whatever he wants with me. And so I grieve the Spirit. This is what I resolve to do. When I feel resentful, angry, offended, com, com, and I've got this spirit of complaint, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to pray to God, God, I have been impatient. I've, be, I've behaved badly. I've behaved proudly. And you have forgiven me. You have been really patient with me and all my nonsense. I will reject these thoughts. I refuse to be judgmental in my thoughts. I'm going to pray for this friend now. I will accept his friendship and I will speak the truth. If I really don't have time, I, I won't pretend to be polite and then to, to, uh, to laugh at him be, be, when, when the conversation is over. I'm going to be led by the Spirit in this. Of course, this is just, a, just harassment from the devil. It, it's, it's nothing very much. It, but my attitude to people must change. Now, let me tell you something that is even more serious. This one is, this is just harassment. Sometimes it is more than harassment. Sometimes it's an assault. I took this from a book. I'll tell you. Okay, that's here. I'll tell you from which book I got it from later. Well, it's called Breakthrough Prayer. The book is from Breakthrough Prayer. Uh, it's, the author wrote about a woman. His, her name is uh, Estelle. Estelle was married to a young man, uh, Nick, and uh, they met in church, both Christians. And after a few years of their... The, the, the first few years of their marriage was really good. Uh, both were active in church. She served in the Sunday school as a teacher, and the husband served as a secretary, uh, treasurer uh, in church. Um, but later on, things got bad. Nick got a good job with Westinghouse, uh, which required a bit of traveling and a bit of drinking, entertaining. And then, slowly, it became a bondage and he became an alcoholic. And because he was an alcoholic, uh, he started to be very uh, abusive. And there was violence. And the children were upset. He was upset. And as much as uh, Estelle loved the children, uh, she, she just couldn't bring herself to, to just walk out, divorce, walk away. And as a Christian, what, the, uh, what, what did she do? She, she just prayed. She prayed a lot. 
And then before long, uh, the husband, because of alcoholism, was lost a job. Then she had to work and support the family. This lasted for 25 years. And all this time, Estelle never lost her faith, never stopped praying to the Lord that God would reach her husband in the way that she couldn't do. Uh, th there was just no use quoting Bibles to the, to the husband anymore because it just didn't work. Uh, he knew them all. God had to find a way. So uh, the children grew up. One of the, the children became a pastor. So the son then got the church to be praying for the father and enlisting the church help. Finally, there was a breakthrough. The father then stopped drinking and all those drama at home stopped and started attending church. Um, today, uh, Estelle uh, still is a faith-filled woman, still attending church, and still uh, in, in the 90s now, still giving top priority to the things of God. Uh, and as a member of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Estelle uh, worships at least two or three services. All right, Brooklyn Tabernacle. This is the story of Jim Zimbala's mother and father. So, Zimbala said that, you know, he was just making a point that this is what breakthrough prayer does. And warfare is a family affair. People are not our enemy. Satan is. We are going to deal with Satan together. That was... Zimbala's um, message in the book, Breakthrough Prayer. I'm going to hurry up. Yeah. Put on the armor of Christ and uh, we know from Romans chapter 13, verse uh, 12, 13, 14, that putting on the armor is putting on Christ. It states here, uh, Paul said, Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armour of light. What is this armour of light? Let us walk properly as in the day. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the armour of light. The armour of God is the armour of light. The armour of light is Christ. Put on Christ. Galatians uh, 3, 26-27 For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. Let me give you this table. There are two such tables. I'm going to go quickly because I have no time to go through one by one to explain. It will take one sermon. Uh, this is the put-on pieces, which is three. The next one, look at the left-hand column. The put-on items and the take-up item. The take-up item, also three. Let's look at the put-on item. The put-on items are the, the equipment that we will need when we face harassment. When we face harassment, what do we do? We stand. Stand on what? We stand on Christ. We stand on everything we know that we have learned, that we have been taught. Stand. The belt is the truth. The breastplate is righteousness. The shoe is the gospel. The lifestyle issue is this. When we are harassed, uh, 
make sure that you are living in truth. Because the devil is going to stand against you with deception and lies. So you are going to be harassed with deception and lies. You are going to stand by being truthful. Uh, this is... Uh, just a minute. Truth. Get up for truth. I will speak the truth. There will be candor, sincerity, truthfulness, no hypocrisy. I will search out the truth. I'll hold the truth. Hold on to the truth. I'll speak the truth. I will be honest with myself. I'll be honest with God. I will not make excuses. I will confess quickly. I will be, uh, you know, I will denounce what is false and the devil will not, will have no reason to accuse me. The devil will not have an advantage to fracture any relationship with all his harassment. So this is the belt of truth. Truth, lift out. Second, respite of righteousness. This is not the righteousness of Christ. In this context, it's the, the righteousness of doing what is right because you know what is right. So uh, it means that uh, you know, the, the devil is going to come against you with condemnation because you, you, you know the truth and you're a hypocrite and you, you just don't do it. Uh, you are living a double, double life and this is, this is going to come again and again. And with this, this uh, uh, put-on item, which is righteousness, it refers to right living, doing what is right, uh, integrity of lifestyle, conforming to what God wants, agreeing with God's Word, living by faith, living by love, keeping a clean heart, which is what I, I just did, right? I just, told, I just told the Lord that, God, I know... I, I know all these thoughts about this irritating people uh, affects me. Every time a conversation ends, it affects me. I'm not going to let him do that. I'm going to agree with you that this is not right and I'm going to live differently and then the devil will not be able to condemn me anymore because I'm living right. I agree with you. I will live this way because you say that this is the way to live. All right? The shoes of the gospel of peace, actually, it is gospel. The, the key idea is gospel. The gospel... It's good news. Jesus died on the cross for you. He has paid for your sins in full. You can trust Him to, to forgive you. You can enjoy full acceptance. The power of sin is broken. You are free to live for God. There is this assurance of salvation. Gospel and uh, Romans 8, 38 to 39 say that this is a grace. So you live in God's grace because He has already met make peace with you, and then you will be able to answer this, the devil's scheme that stands to cast doubt. Say, no, I'm saved by grace. I'm accepted by grace. I am gospel-filled. All right, so these are the thick, put-on items. Uh, quickly, the take-up items. The take-up items uh, are necessary when it's no longer harassment. It's not harassment because now the next level uh, of uh, the spiritual warfare gets intense, in we will be attacked. When we are attacked, we will engage. We will oppose. And we cannot engage. We cannot oppose unless we take up. And these are the three things we take up. The shield, which is faith. The helmet, which is salvation. And the sword, which is uh, the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And what should we be guarding against? With faith, we will guard our hearts. 
with hope we will guard our minds and with the Word of God under the Spirit's direction because the, the word here is rhema word and the, the Spirit is going to teach you what to say, how to use, uh, you know, give you insights and with the rhema word under the direction of the Holy Spirit, you are going to, uh, uh, well, fight Him, right? Christ is the Word. Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Christ is our salvation. You see, you put on Christ. Be conscious. This is the gospel. We were saved for this. This whole package is a wonderful package. It is so power-packed. It is so complete, so full, so powerful. We are adequate in Christ. We are rich in Christ. Just be very, very conscious of Christ when you live out your life and when you deal with the devil. Okay. Uh, I don't elaborate because I don't have time. Okay. And the final key to the, our victory in spiritual warfare is to know the place of prayer. And again, grammatically in the Greek, a chapter, uh, verse 16 and 17 is to be read to as one sentence. So let me read 16 and 17 for you. So it, it should go like this, okay? In, in, the, in the Greek. In addition to all this, means after all the, the, the six pieces of the armor of God. No, sorry. Uh, uh, after the truth and the righteousness and, and the, the shoe of the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith which can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, take up the helmet of salvation and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and, and of all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert always on, always keep on praying for all the saints. I can't do it. It's actually, it's actually in one breath, one sentence. 16 to 17 is one. It's to be read together. And I want to suggest this to you, that it is one because you cannot, you cannot divide spiritual warfare and the Word. The, sorry, the Word. <laughs> sorry, let me say it again. Spiritual warfare must be waged with the Word and prayer. There is no Power without prayer. There is nothing that can be achieved without prayer. So, first is, don't take too serious a stand against people. We do not fight flesh and blood. But don't take a casual attitude towards Satan. Take him on. And we do it with prayer. There is no warfare without prayer. Satan does not wait for us to be ready. And I want to, uh, well, I, I just have five or ten minutes, right? Yeah, just give me that, that time. Now, uh, I, I want to tell you what the Lord has taught me just this year about prayer. By the way, do you know that this year is a year of prayer? Love Singapore has, uh, you know, uh, stated this that this year, the church in Singapore, or at least all the churches that are aligned to the Love Singapore network, that this will be the year of prayer. So this year, I've had occasion to teach on prayer, and recently in Davao, Philippines, 
uh, they gave me uh, uh, how to have an effective prayer life. I said, I don't want one. I don't want such a topic. How can I teach a topic how to have an effective prayer life? You know, and then no choice because the person who was supposed to do it couldn't go because the mother was sick. The Edwin, you do it. It's her topic. So I did it. So I went. It was a, uh, the second sermon of the, of, of the mission trip. So I had, to, I had to talk to the pastors and there was a whole group of them. The whole room, maybe 15 or 16 pastors who came to the hotel to meet us, to welcome us and to introduce. So, okay, I'm going to teach on prayer. I just, you know, it's saying something about the church I should know so that I can, I can preach properly. Oh, oh, it's very, very good. We look forward to your, your sermon. By the way, we meet every morning at 7.30 to pray. You're not kidding me. Every morning at 7.30, your church meets to pray. Yeah, we do. What is that? What do I have to teach you on prayer? You know, I was very, very shaken when I heard that. Anyway, and they told me about the story behind this. The story was this. This was a great church. And then the senior pastor fell. There was um, a... Uh, he fell morally, so he was asked to leave. And then the, ch- the church then um, became weak and many members left. It was very, very weakened. Then they had to rebuild the church and they had to find one from among their midst to lead the church. So finally, they found one. He's a wedding photographer. I kid you not. He's, he has not gone to Bible college. His wife has not gone to Bible college. So, out of the whole pastoral team I checked, Anybody went to Bible school, not a single one has gone to Bible school, but they preach powerfully. And anyway, the point is that they started to have this prayer every day at 7.30 for the church. The church is 1,500 strong now. Very, very respectable size. It's very big. I look at their programs and what they are doing. I don't know how to shake my head, but it's really... I believe even though they didn't say it in so many words, I believe there was a breakthrough when they knew that spiritual warfare is to be taken seriously. After all, their senior pastor just fell morally. The church was almost destroyed. We are not going to let this happen again. And so, they have started this thing and started work in the prisons and the slums and so many prisons sounds very much like aggressive uh, warfare, this church. And so when I told them, oh, uh, oh wow, good, I, oh, National Day, we're going to celebrate National Day, you know, but, but uh, every year I go to indoor stadium and I'm going to miss it this year. You know, I'm so sorry that I can't be in the church. And you know what they did? They organized a prayer meeting for us on National Day to pray for Singapore. Hey, come on. This is Davao, the Filipinos. Of course, we pray for them too. So since they pray for us, we're on the agenda, we also want to pray for Philippines. But the point is, prayer. The place of prayer in this church. Fantastic. You know, when uh, compared to... <laughs> Again, just my colleague is here. I've got to be very careful. You know, we have a prayer meeting on Friday. Uh, just, just the lawyers, huh? So we will share our prayer items and then, okay, let's bring out the prayer now and we'll split into small groups, right? So I will always partner Lawrence because nobody will partner him. So I will pray with him and then the rest will pair up. And sometimes um, 
I would just, I would just start. I'll just say, um, Heavenly Father, we just want, and I just barely start. I, I kid you not, 15 seconds or 10 seconds, and I hear an amen there. Are you kidding? Amen? <laughs> you know, they finished their prayer. So one day I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, because you're you just pray so short prayer. God knows everything. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's, it's true, God knows everything, but I, I think we have to be very aggressive with prayer. I, I think that what Paul said about be alert, uh, this is uh, this verse, uh, verse 18, be alert and always keep on praying. It is a military term of a person who stand, stand on sentry, sentry, who, who is guarding over something. So, be alert means be attentive, be focused, be serious, be diligent, guard over what needs to be protected, stand on guard of, over your family, watch over them with your prayer. Uh, so, it's, it's like kind of be on guard. So, when we pray, it cannot be, Lord, I just pray, you will bless pastor's family, bless his health, and his work. Amen. Ten seconds. Five seconds. When I pray for Pastor Allen in, in Thailand, I'm going to pray thoroughly. I'm going to pray, God, just pray that you will protect him in this way, in protection and the physical provision, the physical, physically and emotionally. And I pray for breakthrough. I pray for opportunity. I pray, Father, for this and that. Is, isn't this the way Paul prayed? Didn't pray, didn't Paul ask specifically in verse 19, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. Isn't the prayer in John 17 quite long? Where Jesus just prayed very thoroughly about many things to the Father. I want to say, let's be serious. Let's take this serious. Let's be very focused. Let's be very attentive. Let's be very diligent when it comes to prayer. Let's be sober and watchful because Satan, according to Revelation chapter 12, 10, accuses us before God day and night. Do we pray day and night? He's, he's working day and night and uh, we should not be praying once a week. Let's do it every time, all the time. Uh, uh, which is like all prayers on all occasions, all requests with this in mind. And it means let's be in the spirit of prayer the whole day. Um, it is... Um, I... Okay, I've already got time for one story and I'll really end here. Be, be, because, because we are going to the National Stadium now, we are praying, we are praying for the nation, right? How often do we pray for the nation? As far as I remember, it's usually during National Day once, once a year. I, I, I don't pray so much for, for Singapore. I, 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 have to be, I have to confess this to you. Uh, but recently, because of this uh, resurgence of the issues on 
the uh, uh, LG, uh, well, Section 377A and all the, the things that came past the leaders and we had to process a lot of things and we were praying and there was a lot of disagreement. Even in the church, there was a lot of disagreement and we, we got a lot of feedback and we just felt that there was disunity and, and uh, some families say that they, th- these matters cannot be even be spoken freely in the family because it's very divisive and some other people say that in their church, uh, it is already very, very divided. And so, I'm, I'm very, very conscious of this. And, and it's a good thing that we are now going to the stadium to pray for Singapore. Let me tell you a story now that I hope will inspire you to be praying for Singapore. Uh, Bella Chang, Anthony Chang and Bella Chang gave me this book. It's called uh, Prayer Altars, Strategy That is Changing Nation. Uh, John uh, Malden. And this is a story of a country I... I don't hear very much. I, I know, I know Uganda. You know, when I think of Uganda, I think of uh, Idi Amin. <laughs> That's all I know about Uganda. But this is what the author said, that in the mid-1990s, the world probably would have heard about our national revival. It was a notorious country. We had a very difficult and violent past. For 24 years, Uganda had 10 presidents, several military coups, bloody war, one war after another, and finally there was an AIDS outbreak that devastated our society. As we were praising for the nation, we didn't realise that this was very, very demonic. Anyway, Finally, there was a breakthrough in 1990 and then the Lord sent a revival. But let me tell you the, uh, the, the story first. Uh. All in that years, uh, in the years and, and uh, up to the 1980s, the AIDS pandemic was like nothing in any part of the world. Do you know that the prevalence rate of AIDS according to World Health Organization in the 1980s, late 80s, was 36% of Uganda population. Do you know what is 36 One third of the nation has HIV. And a World Health Organization predicted that by the year 2000, 30% of the population will be wiped out by AIDS. There was murder, hideous murder, Bloodshed, death in the north of Uganda with Joseph Connie and, the, and the, the resistance army. And now we have AIDS. It wasn't war or bad leadership, but a, this disease is killing us. During this time, God revealed to this man, John Malden, that revealed uh, uh, to the author that the devil is using different tactics to still kill, destroy God's purpose for Uganda. You are a weak church. And the, the Lord said that the enemy has three agenda to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Even Tanzania and Kenya had closed our borders to us, according to the author. We were stigmatized by the whole world for the troubles and the traumas that we, we experienced. And then the Lord spoke to him. 
One day, the Lord said that I will be able to save Uganda. I will rescue Uganda if you will build me an altar. And this he refers to an altar of prayer. And so what he did is this. He started to go from church to church to mobilize people, ministry, churches, denomination, everybody. He was just going, traveling throughout the country, not outside the country, just mobilizing the prayer to institute, the, he called a net of prayer, asking, persuading, uh, trying to enlighten people, calling the individuals to prayer, calling the family to start praying, calling the, every church to pray, get the leaders to pray, pray in the workplace. Let's give God the right to, to come and, and save Uganda. So initially, there was, uh, uh, there was not much response, but later on it did, and uh, things start to change. And then individuals start to recognize that this is the will of God for the, for the nation, and it has been uh, 20 over years uh, since, since uh, that time. The prayer authors are still going strong after 20 years. The heavens, according to this order, the heavens over Uganda is still open to the influence of God. We see evidence of the manifestation of God's glory in many ways. We see prayer in the lives of the people. We see prayers in the marketplace and in the family. Young people have started prayer altars in the college campuses. Business people have started prayer altars in their workplace. Godly laws uh, are much more likely to be discussed and passed in parliament. There's greater unity in the body. The spiritual atmosphere in Uganda has changed and the hand of judgment is lifted. The rate of incidence of AIDS is now the lowest in Africa, 6%. Uganda is blessed with a stable and godly government for a few decades. Corruption has dramatically declined in all sectors of societies. The banking system and political arena is, is now clean. Prayer altars have been established in every industry throughout the government. Prayer has become a lifestyle for the people of Uganda. And he just went on and on. Oh, wow. What a testimony. This is a nation who understand Satan fails when prayer prevails. So this is spiritual warfare. Two things. People are people. Don't fight flesh and blood. Win people with the fragrance of Christ. Win people with the gospel of peace. We have the gospel to the aroma of Christ must reach people, bring people in. Don't kill people. Don't kick up people. Kill Satan. Knock him out. Exclude him. Kick him out. Pray in the Spirit. Pray all kinds of prayer requests. Be alert. Always keep on praying for all God's people. And this is the message for PPH today. Uh, we are going to, uh, if you don't have a ticket, please see Chiming. Four more. Your chance in 2018, in the year of prayer. Come and pray for the nation and you will see what God can do. Uh, of course, this is just a simple sermon. The Lord will have to preach 
the rest to you. Let's pray and close in prayer now. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are great. You are glorious. You will be glorified. It is the will of God that the church of Jesus Christ will bring you much glory and the church of Jesus Christ glorious, empowered, taking on the, this high mandate that is given, we are going to prove and proclaim to the principalities and the powers out there that Jesus reigns and everything done on the cross is adequate, full, effective, complete. We will prove it to them. Father, strengthen this church. I know that we lack in many areas Instead of fighting the devil, we have been fighting among ourselves. We have been, instead of kicking the devil, we have been excluding people. Oh God, forgive us for our attitude towards people. Now, today, you have spoken that we are not to do this. We are going to stick on the devil. And God, with your strength, with resolve, together, remind us of what we need to put on to answer the devil as we stand. Remind, on, remind us what we have to take up so that we can be aggressive and oppose them. But God, remind us most of all how we can wage a good warfare with aggressive prayer. Teach us to pray. This afternoon when we, we meet at the stadium, God, receive the prayer of the church. Unite the church let your favour shine upon Singapore. Protect this nation that you love. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for being with us today. We glorify you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Let's be ready. Quick lunch and be... No lunch. No. Oh, yes. I already took my lunch. I'm so sorry. I, I will fast tonight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>